Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Working Girls, the podcast. <laughs> Why do you sound so gloomy? I'm not, well, I'm not gloomy, but I am Ginger Minge. Well, you know, um, your voice, your your low voice is very appropriate I was for the news. Sensual. I can't believe that um, our first half of this episode somehow. Well, let's not say half. It was a half. Well, it's still a long episode. It's so. a long episode. There's plenty to listen to, but we did have a few difficulties on the technical end of things. The computer got too close to my ass and just fried. Yeah, well, we never found it. Basically, <laughs> we never found it again. <laughs> it bonded to the other plastic. Um, no, with our fabulous interview with the one and only Daniel Francesi from the television film, or the television film, <laughs> from the major motion picture Mean Girls, and televisions looking, and uh, various so many other things. Other things. Uh-huh. We did lose the uh, the first portion of our interview with him, but the juicy juiciness is now. It's about there's way more fun. Yeah, juice in the. Don't worry, episode. you're not missing anything except us talking about the, the benefits of acai bowls. Yeah, right. Well, that's basically what we talked about. Yeah. Were all of those things. So you know what. Tuck in. Don't worry. There's plenty more fabulosity in this episode. And uh, if you don't like it, well, there's a new guest next week. (laughs) All right. Let's pick up where we left off. Yeah. Okay, good. We're back. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. um, Well. Nature called. We had to answer. (laughs) Now, Danny, um, now for those who can actually see this video, Danny is now on top. Like that. Yeah. Well, we just wanted to switch things up and give everyone a fair opportunity, you know? <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity uh, mounter. Oh, well, that's good to know. So, where are you originally from, Danny? Uh, I'm originally from uh, Brooklyn. Um, I moved when I was like, my family moved when I was seven years old to Fort Lauderdale, the suburbs of. And then I, I stayed here until college. And then I went back to New York and now LA. Bro, you've just been everywhere. Yeah, I'm tri-coastal. I'm, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Gulf Coast. But I think I'm coming back here to uh, Florida soon. You're like Space Ghost, coast to coast. That's it. Did you watch that? I did. I, you know what I loved about that whole uh, rejuvenation of the Cartoon Network period was that they just had this whole catalog of Hanna-Barbera and they could do whatever they wanted with it, like Birdman, uh-huh. whatever. They could just like, they were like, yeah, let's start. That's when they started getting really creative with older properties in general. Well, and it took like two of the things I loved most in life, which were trashy talk shows and cartoons and kind of rolled it all into one. I was very into it. Yeah, I, it was fun. It's totally a fun thing. What's uh, your favorite cartoon when you were growing up? I loved Tom and Jerry. When I was a real baby, I loved Mighty Mouse, but I loved Tom and Jerry, I think, and the Looney Tunes, like so much. Yeah. And then Simpson, I, I graduated to Simpsons later. I like obsessed with the Simpsons. So I want to break this down for all three of us real quick. Mm-hmm. All right, this is the first question. What's your favorite classic cartoon? And what's your favorite modern cartoon? Okay. You go first, Jimmy. Okay, so my favorite classic was probably, what was the one that had the big cock in it? The, the, the <laughs> rooster. <laughs> I don't think that was the cartoon. No, the, the rooster one that had like the, uh, the chicken hawk one. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll say, uh, I'll say, yeah. Foghorn Leghorn. Foghorn Leghorn. I, I'll do the quail. Which was Looney Tunes. Yeah, I loved that. 
And then um, I guess it was modern whenever I was a, a kid. I loved Rugrats. <gasps> so good, and they're rebooting it. Are they? They are. <gasps> it, and it's the entire original voice cast. Oh, where? Now it's more of like the CGI 3D kind of oh, look. Oh, I don't like that. But it's still them. Like, yeah. it still sounds the same. Okay. So even if it looks You know what's so disturbing is that Tommy Pickle's parents are supposed to be in their 30s. Those like, Stressed, so strung out, stressed out individuals. For okay, we'll get to this in just a minute because I have a lot of thoughts on this and I've been thinking about it recently about like perception of age when you're younger. Oh my God, it's, it's, you really think like somebody in their 30s is like really freaking old. Yeah, well, I, uh, we'll talk about this in a second. Okay, Danny, favorite classic cartoon? Uh, my favorite classic cartoon, if I have to give it to one, it has to be the Looney Tunes. It's so good. Uh, my favorite uh, episode of that was when Bugs Bunny becomes the gay hairdresser and he's doing <laughs> Gossamer's hair, the big red I love Gossamer. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, monsters lead such interesting lives. Monsters are such interesting people. And he's like painting his nails. <laughs> Is that the hairy tooth? Yeah, yeah, it's like the, the giant red furball. Yeah, yeah. I, always, I always thought it looked like a giant hairy tooth. It did, it was kind of that shape. Yeah. And what's your favorite modern cartoon? Uh, my favorite modern cartoon right now is probably Rick and Morty. I love that shit. It's so you good. Like that? I, I couldn't get into it. Listen to me. It took me like a, lot, a while to get into it, but it's so funny. It's like kind of a ripoff of um, Back to the Future, but Rick is like a degenerate. And um, it, it, it's for people who are of that 90s generation, it's the best show ever. It has so many referential points. It's so funny, so smart. Um, it just takes a really, like, you have to figure out what's going on. It's like, and if I have to give an honorable mention, it would be Adventure Time. I love Adventure Time. I do like Adventure Time. Okay, so Jinx Monsoon was, like, on this crusade well, when we were doing Xanadu together for me to watch Rick and Morty, Adventure Time, and Steven Universe. It's like, they'll change your lives. They're amazing. I really like Steven Universe, uh, mostly because Patti LuPone was in it. I've never okay. watched that either. It was, it's, it's good. It took a little bit for me to get into it, but I really enjoyed it. Adventure Time, I think, is so irreverent and stupid and funny. I really like that. But I could not get into Rick and Morty, and I probably You're missing out. Like, You're missing out. You really have to give it a shot. Like, force yourself. Like, for instance, Game of Thrones, right? Everybody wanted me to get into Game of Thrones. Like, that's all anybody talked about. And I had to watch the pilot episode of Game of Thrones five times before I finally, like, understood what was going on. There was so much information and, like, got into it. And then after I got into it, it was like I couldn't, I was obsessed. I needed the whole, like, you have to force yourself to get into Rick and Morty. I wish there was more. And um, it's just so clever and so funny. I'll give it another shot just for you. I want you to send me like your two favorite episodes. No, you got to watch them in order. The story is a storyline. I listen. Oh. I, I know you. I know you, and you will love it. Okay. All right. I will do it. I will do it. I'll. I'll try it again. There is a, another one that's kind of similar. It's, it's newer. It's about aliens. I can't remember what the name of it was. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the name right now. I saw it too. It's the same writer, and it's. But it is. It is really good. It, I, I did watch. Um, they have like a, a, a the baby is a pupa. And it is the funniest, stupidest little character. It doesn't say anything, but it's so funny. I like. It's kind of like say pupa again. Pupa. Ooh. It's kind of like um, the the thing from um, the Mandalorian. What's it called? The Baby Yoda. The Baby Yoda. The it's asset, yeah. it like, 
that cuteness of that. Okay, I never watched it. That. That, that has all these aliens that come to Earth, but then like the little kids shrink people and they keep them in a in like a wall like hamsters. Yeah. And there's a whole nother storyline of like a drama going on about all the people that they've captured randomly in the wall. What is it called? Do we know? I don't remember. We'll check with our producers. Yes. Oh, we don't have producers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so somebody asked me because yeah, okay, I Okay, so what are you, what, oh wait, get, get, catch our light. Here, hold on, wait, I'll do it. How do you turn it on? Oh, there we go. Yeah, tap it. Um, okay, somebody asked me, I feel left out. So, uh, what is your, your old school favorite cartoon and okay. then your new school? Like the both of you, I have to say Looney Tunes. And I know that, like, it was either Looney Tunes, Disney, or Mary, Mary Melody were like the, like the three. Yeah, that was good. But, oh, it's called Solar Opposites, I've just been yes. told. All right, so, so I'll look into that. We'll look up Solar Opposites. But I loved Looney Tunes because of Bugs Bunny. He was the first drag queen I ever saw. Yeah. Oh. It, I mean, it was so groundbreaking, and it was done in such an accessible way for somebody that was my age. Like, I, I remember watching it going, this is silly, and it's really fun, and I kind of want to do it, too. I, I never really, like, put Bugs Bunny as, as a drag queen, because I never, I know that he was, like, considered like a boy, but I never like gendered yeah. Bunny. You know something else that's like kind of crazy if you think about it? Like the skunk, uh, Pepe Le Pew, is that his name? Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about her anymore. He was kind of like a, a, a sexual predator. No, <laughs> which is why we don't talk about her anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, Pepe Le Pew has been hashtag canceled. Really? Yeah, because he was, you know, very, um, Aggressive. Yeah, he was. Actually, yeah. That is, that's crazy. It you is know, the, crazy. The, the scene that they cut out of the new Space Jam with Pepe Le Pew, like he got fired from the new Space Jam remake, that was supposed to make him have his comeuppance. Like he was supposed to say that the cat had a restraining order against him and he could no longer, because he, and he had, a, he learned a lesson about consent and all this other stuff, but they still cut him out. Wow. I haven't watched, is that even out, the new Space Jam? No, not yet. Oh, you just know the inside tea. Oh, well, it won't work. Well, it's just, it, it's such a double-edged sword, too, because you're like, yeah, you don't want to award or reward um, bad behavior, but right. also if you don't talk about it and, and put, like, not a redemptive moment into the story, but more of a, a, teachable, a, moment. a teachable moment, then how do we learn from that yeah. for the future, you know? Yeah. yeah, and the model that was uh, the actress, I don't really know her, but who was playing opposite Pepe Le Pew in that scene is someone who um, had like a, 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 a voice in the Me Too movement. So she really felt like this was the perfect thing for her to do to sort of like, I, you know, sometimes people are just so heavy handed, like, you know, how we can't learn the lessons if you take it all away from us. Yeah. Exactly, I, I do agree with that. Like, I do think that it's important that we point out things that have been wrong yeah but i also think it's very important that we don't sweep them under the carpet and that we talk about them and that we all learn from them and grow you know what i mean like I well know. things change over time you know over time things that were okay when you know our parents were kids are not okay now and things that you know that are okay now are probably not gonna be okay when you know the people that have kids because i don't have any <laughs> um when they get grown um danny i want to ask them i think it's my other cartoon you. oh go tell me tell me tell me Bob's Burgers, I think it's so good. It's, I, it's so good, and there's so many musical numbers, and like I can just put on the Bob's Burgers um, the playlist on Spotify and just listen to it over and over again. It's funny and it's not dirty. And one of the things that I've noticed about a lot of the more recent adult cartoons is that they 
they are pretty vulgar. And I love very, it. I love vulgar. I love that too. Yeah. But it was also really nice to see after a South Park and a Family Guy and an American Dad and shows like that, the a show like Bob's Burgers could come along and just be an actual old school family sitcom without relying on being aggressive or vulgar or dirty. My favorite episode of Bob's Burgers is the Halloween one where the, the crazy blonde girl is like, trapped the the kids in the, the cardboard box because they wouldn't play with her. Molly Shannon's character. Yeah. yeah. It is crazy. It is crazy. We just have Molly Shannon on everything always. Like I love her so much. Like I'm full. Like I just I miss her. Like and she's I'm 50. Like I'm 50 well, years old. Do you remember there was a time in like the mid to late 90s where it was literally Molly Shannon's world and the rest of us were kind of orbiting around her. Yes, what a great time. Can we please go back? Take me back. Yeah, I love, I love, I love her. I love her character. She's been in a couple of things um, I saw like maybe last year, but I want to know more about you. I want the audience to know more about you because we do have a lot of like young, young, young viewers that were probably born. We're very big in the, the toddler set. Yeah, the toddler set. So um, <laughs> you have been in a ton of movies. I have a whole list right here. People can go look at your wiki and just see everything, but You've been in um, movies like Bully, Party Monster, Mean Girls, War of the Worlds, I Spit on Your Grave, a ton more, a ton of TV shows. What is your favorite, we'll get into TV shows, I'm talking about just movies. What is your favorite character that you've played in a, in a motion picture? Oh my goodness. Um, I really loved doing Bully. That was my first movie because I was such a big Larry Clark fan. And I was so excited to be able to work with someone that I was like a fan of on my first thing out the gate as a lead role. Like, I mean, not a lot of people get that opportunity. It was not lost on me that that was a blessing. And it was so interesting. The subject was cool. It's a true story about seven kids who murder this kid that bullies them. So it was like meaty, there was stuff to like link into. So I enjoyed that. Um, but I think I had uh, the most fun in this movie, this little movie called Kill Theory. It's like a horror movie um, about uh, a bunch of college students who are locked in a, in a vacation home with a gun and this killer is like, makes them like kind of battle royale them each other until only one's left. Oh, wow. And I'm gonna have to it, watch it. It was really fun. It was super intense. I felt like I leveled up as an actor on that movie, even though it's like, you know, still like a, a fun horror movie or whatever. There was just things that I had to tap into that I, that I that I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do these things. And so I enjoyed that as an experience probably the most. Um, See, that's kind of an oxymoron to me, though, a fun horror movie. No, horror is not fun. <laughs> well, maybe not to watch, but to film. They okay, can't be. okay, I'll give you that. You know I mean? Like exploding glass and like, you know, breaking things and like, you know, a lot of screaming and yelling and shooting fake guns. Like that stuff's really fun. So it's therapy. Uh, a little bit. It was ironic because a lot of the issues that I had with my protagonist in that movie, I had with a real friend in my life at that time. And one of my other really close friends was also cast in the movie. So like it brought up all this like real kind of things inside me that, you know, that it was a little therapeutic. It was like uh, going to one of those places where you get a sledgehammer and you're allowed to like smash electronics. I, I would love I've to be there in a, a horror movie. I would love to be in like, or like The Walking Dead. I would love to be just, even even just to be like put in zombie like full on zombie makeup, girl. That's us every morning after a gig no, on our way no. to the airport. I'm obsessed with zombies. I w I want to do it and I want to be killed. I want to be like you know how they stab them in the head or something. I just <laughs> I think it's so cool. I would love to be a zombie. 
Uh, well, okay. Well, hey, everybody's got goals, girl. It's my career after this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do a horror movie because, like you said, I do think it would be very therapeutic, very fun, something very different for me. But, girl, I don't think I'd ever be able to watch it. And you're you're just a scaredy cat. I am a scaredy cat. I do not like it unless it is Nightmare on Elm Street, like the original series, oh, because yeah. I think there was so much humor. Camp, it was campy. It was campy, and Freddy Krueger was reading bitches before RuPaul. Like he was funny. Yeah, yeah. I could get into that, but like, no, no Friday the Thirteenth for me. No Halloween. Did do either of you remember the Mystery Funhouse here in Orlando? No, what is that? It was a, it, like before Universal was a thing, before Disney really kind of took over all of Orlando, it was what people did on the weekends. It was like this overgrown arcade that also had miniature golf and laser tag and all these games. Anyway, they used to do this big Halloween bash every year. And my family was one of the few things we could afford outside of Gatorland. <laughs> so we all pile up into our van and we would come over to Orlando for Halloween. And I remember I was probably like five or six years old. And there was this guy, I think this is why I still have issues with my father to this day. We were standing outside getting ready to leave and there was this guy dressed up as Michael Myers. It was the mask and the knife and everything. And he started chasing me around the parking lot at, at me, like five or six years old. Oh, and my dad just thought it was the funniest thing because I was screaming and crying. And I remember I looked up at him and I said, I hate you. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever shaken that feeling. <laughs> I, love, I love being scared. I love to scare people. But um, my, um, my last ex, he just did not, he did not like to be scared. And I'm like, every time I try to do it, he would just get mad at me. So um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to have that fun. I love to scare people. Mm -mm, don't scare me. <laughs> That'll be the last day. <laughs> you but will you know, be a The actual that. job like, was, I did a commercial when I was in second grade, but besides that commercial, my first actual like paid professional acting gig was I was a director in a year-round haunted house in South Florida. <gasps> That's really Ooh. cool. It was called Silo X, and it was um, like, the theme of it was a nuclear meltdown, so they were able to have it year-round. It wasn't like just ghosts or whatever, but... Um, it was really weird experience, very fun. Like a lot of people like to act up in haunted houses and and um, what I didn't realize is like, you know, it's a big maze, but a lot of the haunted houses have hallways that you could just push someone straight outside through all, like all the all secret walls that will just open up to get someone out right away from the middle wow. of the emergency. Wow, that's interesting. I, I, we're learning all the tea here about haunted houses. <laughs> if you want a haunted house tea, Come to me. <laughs> well, my husband worked at uh, Halloween Horror Nights for years. And the stories that he's told me about the people that come in those places and the things that they do when they don't think anyone can see, it's crazy. Oh, I, I can imagine. <laughs> you don't in, have in, to in, imagine, girl. It is just- In the dark, crazy. anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny, I'll have a question. I recently saw Looking um, on HBO, Binge watch the whole thing. Amazing. Love it, love it, love it. Love your character. Um, ha can you tell our audience that hasn't watched it yet, like, about your character, how it feels for you to have portrayed that character? Because you have, like a, um, like, a very dynamic kind of character that you play. Um, they, you know, it was very serendipitous how I got that role. Um, a friend of mine was talking to me, a casting director friend of mine. We were hanging out and smoking weed. 
And she was like, um, she was like, hey, have you seen Looking? And I was like, nah. And she was like, why? And I'm like, they just don't have guys like me on shows like that. And she was like, well, why don't you be the guy like you on a show like that? And I was like, well, it don't work like that. Because if it worked like that, I would just be on every show I want to be on. I'm like, you're a casting director. She's like, I don't know. I'm about manifesting my own destiny, you know? And I was like, huh, you know, kind of like, just like, I guess. She's like, maybe look up the casting director. And I was like, maybe. And so, cause I had just come out of the closet or whatever, you know? So like, so I had, um, uh, you know, the 10th anniversary of Mean Girls was coming around and man, before that they had all these like really bad, where are they nows? Like, it'd be like, where, where's he doing now? And it was like, never what I was doing. It was a picture from like a million years ago, not even what I looked like. And I was, it's when I first grew my beard and I was really kind of like, you know, presenting daddy bear realness. And like, that's not what they were gonna like do. So. I had actually uh, started doing a lot of modeling, which led to me having like a plus size modeling career. But I, I literally started out just saying like, hey, Instagram people want to take pictures or whatever. And so people started doing photo shoots. I started doing all these photo shoots. And when I looked up the casting director, I realized that it was the same casting director that discovered me for, discovered me for my first movie, Bully. Wow. So I was like, you know what? I will message her. I feel comfortable. She's like a friend, you know? So her name was her name is Carmen Cuba, and I was like, "Hey, Carmen, I was like, if you, I really like looking, even though I hadn't watched it yet. <laughs> I, was like, I, <laughs> I was like, I really like looking, but if you ever need like, you know, sexy bear, she's like, you never know." And I sent her all those pictures that I had been taking. Well, lo and behold, they were having the conversation. One of their biggest critiques from season one was that there was nobody of size on it, and so they were having that conversation already in the writers' room. And when it became her turn to speak about it, she was like, hey, what about Danny Franzese? And everyone was like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, it was like, they just, there was no opposition. Everyone thought, what a great person to put in the show. And I mean, probably one of the, and so they thought about it more and they had me screen test because, you know, HBO executives had to say something too. And it was just me doing the scene. And then um, the creator took me out, one of the creators took me out to breakfast. And he was like, I want to offer you this role. And he was like, and, it's going to be, uh, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He, first of all, he's going to be a romantic lead, which I was just like, what? Like, they're, like, he's going to be pursued uh, by one of the lead actors, uh, Frankie J. Alvarez. And they were like, and he is going to be HIV positive, but he's never going to get sick. And it's going to be a big conversation about today's age of prevention and treatment with HIV, like where we are today about it. And and, and uh, Augustine, which is Frankie's character, is not only going to like him, uh, but he's going to maybe like him because of it, because of the way he navigates life and handles uh, his status and everything. And I was just like, wow, like what an opportunity, you know, and immediately I was like, I'll do nudity, I'll do sex scenes. Like, I was like, just so you know, like, I'm willing to commit like so full into this, you know. And so they were like, whoa, whoa, slow down. This is just the read through. Put your pants Yeah, yeah, back yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So initially I was supposed to be on for limited episodes, but the, f the first uh, um, episode when we shot, uh, we shot this scene where our characters meet and we go skinny dipping in the river, uh, the Russian river up in upstate, uh, upstate, <laughs> up in uh, Northern California. And um, we, our chemistry was so dope. He's such a fantastic actor and a great scene partner. And we were immediately comfortable and it just really worked. So they wrote me into the show as a permanent uh, cast member and it was so awesome. I mean, what an experience after feeling um, 
the gay glass ceiling in casting after I came, you know, before I came out and, and, you know, I didn't play any gay characters before I played Damien and Mean Girls. And then that's all I was getting offered. And most of them were uh, derogatory towards gay people. So it was like not something I wanted to do. So I had like a big, you know, good six years of like kind of flailing a little bit in my career and struggling, trying to find my footing and find myself as an artist. I, I didn't really do stand up yet. I was like still finding myself because it's interesting. My first agents, were innovative artists and then now um i'm with them again they're my agents now and I, i'm with the same agents and i'm like you guys are like meeting me for the first time like you met me as a scared closeted like inauthentic person and now you're meeting real, the real danny like and yeah. so it was kind of a really amazing experience to uh go from a place where where i felt like in my industry um that i was scared of be, being found out as gay to being a place where that was celebrated one second while I get my acai bowl. Yes, <laughs> get your acai bowl. And then hurry back, girl, because there's so much to unpack. <laughs> there is. I have, I, have, I, have, I have some things to say. Me, me too. Well, first of all, while Danny's getting his acai bowl, I think it's important to say, like, I love Queer as Folk. I still go uh -huh. back every year and yeah. I rewatch the entire series. I think it's so good. But the one complaint that I had about it, even back then, was that there wasn't a representation for anybody like me. Yeah. And yeah. even like taking the plus size factor out of it, just look at the drag factor. The few times that they worked it into the show, it was done as more of a joke or yeah. a gacha kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and and I, I really would like them to revisit that. They've been talking about rebooting Queer as Folk for a couple of years now. And I'd love for them to revisit that and kind of make it more, more inclusive modern. for yeah, everybody. Yeah, more modern and what, what's going on today. All right, Danny, you're back. And I have a couple things I wanna unpack from- First, I wanna unpack this bowl and show you. One of the options um, that I got for my uh, acai bowl breakfast this morning was to get a regular bowl, a large bowl, or a pineapple bowl. And I said pineapple, but I did not know. Oh my goodness, what? a real pineapple. It's, it's all in a pineapple. That's, that's kind of incredible, though. I love that. For those who are just listening and not watching, because we are filming this, um, so this will be up on YouTube and our socials. Um, Danny ordered an acai bowl, and it's it's actually packaged inside a real pineapple. Like a hollow, it's like a bread bowl, but for healthy people. <laughs> I, that, that's really cool. I love it. And you said that it's an, well, you call it an acai bowl, but you actually got the banana bowl. Yeah, I got the banana bowl uh, with uh, peanut butter, um, so not interesting, but peanut butter, pineapple, strawberry, and, um... It is so uh, interesting. You have no idea. I've been on keto for two months now, and I can't have any of that stuff. It has too much sugar. I would eat it. Oh, it looks so good. Really yummy. Eat it slower and describe every taste. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm peanut buttery. <laughs> now, one thing that I, I do really want to talk about is you are known mostly for playing Damien and Mean Girls. That was like your big break. It's what people still refer to you as. It's, it's how people look at you and what they think about when they see your name. And I think that, like, even me, even knowing you, I just assumed at that time that you were out and proud and gay. And it wasn't until you and I got to know each other that I really heard more about your story and the fact that you were not out of the closet at that time. Like that must have been really weird to be known for something like that, that you were trying to hide about yourself. Yeah, I just thought you were big gay. I, did, I, I didn't know that you like, you were closeted. That's crazy. 
it was difficult because I wanted to show the range of things that I could do. I felt so limited right after Mean Girls about what they were letting me do. Like I, I tested on um, Entourage for Turtle and I had been up for The Sopranos and I had gone up on all these other things that I think that I'm still right for. And once Mean Girls happened, that dried up. They wouldn't let me audition for things. Like wow. there was a, a role in the movie Sherry Baby with Maggie Gyllenhaal that one of my best friends, Bridget Barkin, was playing her sister and I was, and they were looking for the husband. And it said, uh, a lovable, doughy, blue collar, big lug of a guy. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. Mm-hmm. And um, they wouldn't let me audition. They're like, we're looking for a man's man. And they wouldn't let me audition. And the casting director was a lesbian. Wow. And I feel like I have just been constantly spooked, mostly by our brothers and sisters in the industry as gay and told that I couldn't do things that I know I can do. And so my whole mission was, there's people who haven't seen Mean Girls. I'll look different, I'll do something different. And that's why I, you know, I played a rapist and I spit in your grave. And I played all these other things that were like different because people didn't see Mean Girls and they were like, oh, this guy's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the movie's so popular and the more popular the movie got, the more it was harder to get away from that. And then when we started dealing with um, actual equality issues, Obama became president and things like marriage equality were now on the table. And it was like, it was his election that Prop 8 was, was voted no after people were told that, that for the youngers, um, for our youngins, people were told they could get married, everyone got married, and then they were, it was taken away later on on a national decision or whatever. Yeah. And so I, or, uh, so I was furious and I was like, now it's important that I speak up. Now I see the importance, you know, my, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. I didn't realize how important it was to, to be gay and so I was living an out authentic life after that and at, at that point, but it didn't matter because I'd never, I didn't have any, like anybody in the gay community embraced me. I was never an out or advocate. I was never at the GLAAD Awards. I didn't do anything queer. And surprisingly, and something I'll give them so much credit for it is World of Wonder. Um, I had worked with them on Party Monster, Theron and the, all of them knew I was gay. And they knew I was closeted and they still like kept me involved. I was able to do things with them. They, they loved me no matter, they loved me for me, not even for my sexuality, even someone who's a company that was so pro queer, you would think that they would think I was some kind of faker or a hater. They understood what the industry was like and still stood by me, which is why I'll always go to the wall defending them when people say that they have, you know, gender issues or other problems within the company. I feel like when you really know them, you can see, I mean, I, that was my, that was the one place I could go to be safe. I didn't go to gay clubs. I went to World of Wonder parties. Yeah. And that was where I could maybe meet a guy or like talk to other queer people or other artists and, you know, personally like either come out to them or become friends or whatever. But I was able to be a part of my tribe through World of Wonder. And that's why I always respect them. And I will literally do anything they say when they ask. But awesome. at that time it was very difficult navigating all of that. We have so many shows right now where things are gay. I mean. I just saw that there's a trans uh, actress on um, the new Saved by the Bell. Like, and she is sickening. She is gorgeous. Yes. She, uh, okay, so I have to go on a, just a little bit of Let's a- Let's do a it. Tasai, uh, Let's talk about her. I love her. Did you watch the new Saved by the Bell? I, I haven't. I, I am in the middle of it. I love it. It is so good. Where can I, okay, where, where can I watch this? It's on Peacock. I don't know what that is. It's, it's the NBC app. Oh, is it free? Yeah, no, girl, just do what I do. You just go well, and you get free. Free. is free. It is free. Okay. Oh, it wasn't for me, but I got it free for a week. No, no, no. It's free, but it's you pay if you want to get rid of commercials. 
Oh, okay. yeah, I don't like commercials. Uh, yeah, it's like 99 <laughs> bucks for the year and you get no commercials. Um, so I was, I sat down and I was like, I'm a huge Saved by the Bell fan. That was my childhood. I've been waiting for a reboot, but also really skeptical of how it would go. And I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, Josie Toda is, is the, the trans actress that is, is she, she is the Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> And I was yeah. so afraid of how they were going to treat that character because I didn't want it to become another sad story that has been told over and over again. It's like, yes, we know that side of the journey, but I want to see somebody I'm that's really celebrated. Bitch, she is sickening. She is head cheerleader. All the boys on the football what? team are after her. I they have to say that this her. is the best rendition of Saved by the Bell ever. They perfected it. It is The conversation... Perfect. Is about race and equality. Like they, 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 they make fun of how rich and privileged everyone at Bayside is, and the inner city kids have to kind of move into the school. That's the whole plot. Yeah. And so it's a very mixed, diverse cast, also gifted, also talented, all such good actors. Mm-hmm. And then um, her character, she's kind of like jazz. It's like becoming jazz. She had like a reality show, and she's already rich and uh-huh. famous. So she, it's like her characters on that. She has she had a reality show and everything. I love it. I think this was not the world that I grew up in. You know, no. that's my this was this was not that thing. So to be Damien and be in, in the opposite of that kind of a world, they didn't see a future for me. Even now, as a stand-up, I try to encourage young stand-ups because we've never had a gay male, uh, like a gay uh, cis male headliner. Yeah. Who can yeah. like sell out like an arena. I mean, we've had everyone from Eddie Izzard, who's like genderqueer to like, we have lesbians, you know. Who yeah, Louis Anderson, maybe it was the closest we got. But he wasn't really out at the he's time. Not, I, I don't think he is out now, is he? I mean, he's kind of like a like an open secret, I guess. But yeah, I like, like I, I feel like he has addressed it and not denied the rumors, but I don't think he's ever actually just come out and said, I am a homosexual male. Speaking of that, there is a, um, a book called Open Secret that I had read about being queer in Hollywood and how to navigate it and what it was like for people. And that is how I saw myself as an open secret. I think people knew that I was gay, like you just assumed, but not saying that you're gay and saying you are gay are two different things. Yeah. And back in the day, it meant persecution and firing. It still sometimes means that, if you know what I mean? Like, you know, with certain things, but like, it, but at the same time, being gay was just the, the act of defiance of just being ultimately who you are and being fully authentic is a political act and it is something that I live my life as right now. And I'm so happy being in this space. You know, now I've written for Advocate and I, you know, I've written for, uh, I, I've, I've been in Out 100 and I've, you know, the community has embraced me and I've embraced them back. You know, I will, I don't even charge my full rate half the times when it comes to like little queer communities or clubs or things like that, because I, I want to, my people need the entertainment and need my, need me sure. in it. And they need just the like, representation. Just like if you're listening right now, we need you. So like whatever your gift is, whatever somebody made fun of you for, whatever anyone ever told you that you couldn't do this because, or do entertainment because of that reason. When they tell you you're too fat, you're too gay, you're too femme, you're too butch, you're too whatever. Those are your signifiers. Those are the reasons I cast fucking checks. And it's like about trying to find a way to take your pain point and turn it into a paid point. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You yeah. should put that on a t-shirt. You need to that's gonna be my book, girl. That's gonna be my book. I'm gonna put it in a book because yes, I, have to, I have to start sharing this knowledge. You know, we uh, my my generation 
the generation before us, like my parents' generation, the boomers, mm-hmm. like there are, there are very little gay boomers because they died. Like we lost so many people. And let me tell you something, doing, going back to our conversation about looking and playing an HIV positive character, Eddie was the first HIV positive character that I played, uh, was the first HIV positive character on television for six years. There was a gap. And before wow. that was Gloria Rubin on ER. And we've done variety roundtables about this. And I'm an ambassador now for Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, who with GLAD asked me to present the media playbook on HIV and AIDS to MSNBC. They made this big Bible of how to handle conversations. You don't say HIV virus because the V means virus. That's like saying like ATM machine, you know? And so they're <laughs> like giving me all of these things. So I had uh, Ross Murray, who is uh, a deacon, but also is at GLAD as the person who media trains everyone. Um, media trained me for hours, like four and a half, five hours on everything that someone would need to know about HIV and AIDS in, the current, in this current age of prevention and treatment. And talk about getting woke. I, down, I literally downloaded the file of all of the current information of what's happening. And you can't go back from that. Once you learn all of that stuff. So our generation, we lost a generation and a half of queer people that were meant to teach us how to be queer and teach us the stories of how to do the things and mentor us and hire us because we're gay and love us because we're gay and write gay literature and make gay movies. And we lost that. So it's our generation's time and the, and, and the, and the generation that can listen to my voice while I'm alive on this earth to help fill that space by working double time. So yeah, I'll have to write books, even though maybe I'm too lazy, but I have to do it. You put it, make a book on tape. Yeah. You love whatever to talk. We have to do, whatever it is we have to do, we have to do whatever we can to leave this information behind. Because I agree with you. We're missing a huge gap. Well, and I've had this conversation recently, and I'm sh- I'm sure all of us can agree. Like, we get the the fan mail, we get all those those comments and the letters from the kids that are like us, that identify with us, right. who see something of themselves in us. Yeah. And I was sitting and thinking about it one day. And I was talking to my husband, and I was like, you know, I didn't really have a me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of figure it out for myself. And if I can be that, it sounds so cliche, but that beacon of light for anybody out there that is like me, if I can show them that you can be successful and quote unquote normal and happy and all of those things, no, I'm okay that. going through the shit that I went through if it can make their life a little bit better. Yeah. Well, Danny, your story is, is amazing. I, I, I encourage people to, to read more up on you. There was some, I was going through your wiki just so I was familiar with um, stuff. There's so much information um, of like where you come from, um, you, your humble beginnings with your mom. And I, I, I just want people to, to look you up, follow you on social media. You have a lot going on. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? <laughs> I do have a podcast. Ross Murray, who I mentioned earlier from GLAAD, is now, we met that way from him media training me, but he's now the producer of our show. And um, it's called Yas Jesus. Yeah. And it is a, a podcast that explores the intersectionality between queer sexuality and Christian spirituality. Uh, mm-hmm. Because there is a place in God's house for everybody. And I, I think that people are meant to choose between gay and God when they come out. And I, had, I went through conversion therapy and had a crazy experience with that. All of that's on the podcast. So... Um, Please. And I was on the podcast. And you were on the podcast, Ginger. I yeah, did it. The friend of the pod. 
Well, thank you. Everybody go uh, listen to his pod. Thank you again so much for being on. God bless y'all, and I hope to see you soon. And I can't wait for the world to be open again, uh, Trinity, so we can have your pageant. Like, yes, and have Dan. you judge, have you judge. Well, thank you, Danny. I hope you have a great day and have fun while you're um, at the pool. Thank you. God bless you. I love you, brother. Love you. Bye. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.